favorite sweet item on board a Disney cruise? My wife. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And Sam, as we have taken to doing, it is review time. Woohoo! I love me some review times this time of day. What? You said that in another episode, and I was like, what is that? This She wouldn't like them in the morning, and she doesn't like them at night. Only in the middle of the day does she want to hear her. No, because I know she's on her phone looking at them all the time. <laughs> I would like them on a train. I would like them in the rain. I would <laughs> right. like them here or there. I would like them anywhere, Brian. But she only likes them five stars. So here we go. This one is from S.A. <laughs> Reiner, who writes, Ideal for Disney planning enthusiasts. I was referred to this podcast from another Disney planning Patreon group, and I am so grateful that I followed through with their recommendation. We are about to take our first ever Disney cruise and it will be our children's very first cruise ever. Disney planning can be complex, but some of us take great pride in understanding all of the ins and outs and nuances to go along with it. Thank you, DCL Duo, for both entertaining and extremely useful content. I feel much better prepared for this last minute summer cruise and even more excited after listening to a variety of your episodes. Keep up the fabulous work. So there you go, Sam. Thank you. Thank you, S.A. Reiner. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah, That's thank awesome. you, S.A. Reiner, for that review. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, for all of you out there, once again, if you leave us a five-star written review over an Apple podcast, we will read it at the top of the show. We still got quite a few to work our way through. Uh, and of course, as always, if you just want to hit those five stars, it helps us out greatly. So with that, Sam, we got a fabulous guest and another fabulous cruise to talk about today. You want to intro our guest? Yeah, actually, we got a fabulous two cruises to talk about on today's show because John, our guest, who is a first-time guest on the show, went on 20 23 nights back to back on the beautiful Disney wonder, of course, across the, I don't know, it's not the pond across the, across the Pacific ocean. Uh, and so what a great, what a great two cruises to be able to talk about. So welcome to the show, John. It is great to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. We truly appreciate it. We're very jealous of the number of nights that you were on a ship. We have yet to be on that many nights consecutively. But before we dive in and start talking about that, we've got to hear your Disney Cruise Line credentials since we know this was not a first-time cruise for you all. Right. So this was my eighth cruise and my wife's ninth cruise. That's counting the second cruise. Um Mostly the cruises we have done have been down in the Caribbean on Marathon Weekend. So go out and do the Castaway Key 5K after running the the marathon races back at Disney World. I've also gone through the Panama Canal, again on the Wonder, from the West Coast over to Galveston. And we have done the Norwegian cruise on the uh, Disney Magic. And finally, we have done the Hawaii to Vancouver, British Columbia cruise about six or seven years ago now. And we always wanted to do the, the Vancouver to Hawaii cruise. And that was met. That goal was met this year. Awesome. That's fantastic. Now, did you do the dream marathon weekend cruise in 2020, right before the world shut down? Because if so, we were on board with you. <laughs> no, the last year we got down there to do that was 2019. Ah, so we just missed each other. We we just missed. That was the year that we had the cruise from Vancouver to Hawaii booked, 
Um, but we all know how that turned out about right. six weeks before setting sail. Right, right. Well, let's talk about what prompted you all to book the Vancouver to Hawaii leg. And then, of course, the Hawaii to Australia, to Sydney, Australia leg. Yeah. How did how did you guys come to the decision? Well, first of all, actually, who's in your sailing party? And then secondly, how did you all come to the decision of booking these two amazing itineraries? So the sailing party was my wife and I and a family friend for the first leg from Vancouver to Hawaii. We had tried to book a cruise with our our friend uh, about six years ago, and it it just didn't work out. Then my wife and I also tried to book that cruise during 2020, and that didn't work out for obvious reasons. And as we were driving through the mountains north of Seattle about a year and a half ago, my wife was on her phone and noticed that, hey, the wonder is now they're, they're booking trips from Vancouver to Hawaii, and we've been wanting to do that. And I said, well, let's go ahead and let's book our cabin for October. And we did that. And then she said, oh, hey, look at this. That that ship is also going to go from Hawaii to Australia. And with thinking about it all for you know three or four seconds, it occurred to me and I said, that would be a sign from, <laughs> from karma if our same cabin was available that we should go ahead and just do back-to-backs. And so she tapped on her phone a few more minutes and said, oh, yeah, it is available and I've got us booked for it. I retired this year anyway, and that turned out to be our retirement cruise all the way across the Pacific. Oh, my God. So basically, like the gods were shining down on you, telling you, you must book this cruise. <laughs> Someone wanted us on that ship. And it, oh, it was so much fun. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on your retirement, first of all. That's big news. And what a way to celebrate. Fantastic. All right. So where are you guys coming from in that and heading to from, you know, to get to Vancouver? We left Fredericksburg, Texas. That's a small town almost in the exact middle of the state to go up to Vancouver. Vancouver is not new to us. We spent 30 years previously in Seattle. That's where I was retiring from. So we left Fredericksburg, got up to Vancouver two days before the cruise and um, settled into this Pan Pacific Hotel and got ready. Our friend met us the day before. There were no problems at all with getting on the ship. It was great to wake up in that hotel. Uh, For people that don't know, the Pan Pacific Hotel is the hotel that is on the pier to which the ships moor. So you wake up in the morning, you look out your window, and the ship is right there. Yeah, it's really, um, it's even closer than in San Diego, where you can only stay across the street from the pier. You can't stay essentially on top of it like you did. Exactly, exactly. Great location. All right. So you say boarding process, super duper easy. You're right there. Uh, Let's talk about being on the ship for that many days. How many sea days do you have when you're heading from Vancouver to Hawaii? That was 10 total. And then the second leg was 13 uh, actual days, 14 calendar days because of crossing the dateline. Right, right, right. You lose a whole day uh, when you cross the dateline. Okay, so uh, in talking about the the first, let's talk about the first leg and talk about um, ports first, and then we'll talk about all those days at sea because you actually start off with a whole bunch of days at sea and then you end with a whole bunch of days at port, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, the first six days are actually sea days, and that's to get from Vancouver to Hawaii. Because we had been on the opposite leg of this, Hawaii to Vancouver, I kind of knew a little bit about what to expect. The first two days were going to be Pacific Northwest October weather. In other words, cloudy, drizzly, 
temperatures in the 50s, and just cold enough that even the kids wouldn't be willing to go into the pools the first couple of days because it was too cold. So uh, that turned out to be the case. So I was ready to be inside the ship uh, doing the character greets, doing the trivia, hanging out at the Cove Cafe, things like that for the first couple of days. Yeah, very, very smart. Yeah. Now, um, what about the uh, what kinds of special stuff did they have on board? When I say special, I mean, unique to this itinerary. Um, Did they have on board uh, before you even get to the Hawaiian Islands? So they had a guest speaker from New Zealand, an oceanographer, and his name was Channel. So it sounds like Channel, but Channel. And he was a fascinating uh, oceanographer. I went to a couple of his talks in person, watched the rest of them on video. Uh, I'm also, among other things, retired Navy. So I was really interested in getting the oceanographic point of view on how the Pacific Island works, uh, or excuse me, the Pacific Ocean works, uh, the tides, the currents, the wind patterns, things like that. And we got to cover that. So it was, it was a very interesting to me personally. What was interesting about him is that at the end of the cruise, uh, I, I ran into him in an elevator, and he, he said he, initially he didn't really want to do this cruise. He, he was approached with a, the idea, and he didn't want to do it. But his kid said, oh, yeah, Dad, let's do it. Um, we'll get to go on the, the Disney ship. He decided to go ahead and do it for his kids. And at the end of the cruise, it was an eye-opening event for him. He didn't know how much fun his family was going to have, how interested the crab would be in what he had to say, um, and the interaction he would have with the cast members on the ship. And he loved it then. He, he was looking forward to going on another cruise. And I just thought that was interesting. He went from not really wanting to go and just going because of his family to actually wanting to go again. Amazing how the, the hooks get set into you like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I imagine, though, he, his family got to go for free, though, <laughs> since he was working on the ship, basically. One would hope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of awesome. I love having, you know, it's wonderful when they have, you know, naturalists or other kinds of scientists to kind of tell you about where you're going to be in the world and what you're going to see. That's uh, pretty awesome. Do they have any Hawaiian-specific Um, I think I've heard of times where they've done uh, ukulele lessons or um, hula dancing lessons, that sort of a thing. They did have that. They also had some uh, Hawaiian entertainers that got on board once we got to Hawaii. Oh, fun. For the the first few sea days, no, they weren't there. Mm -hmm. But when we get to Hawaii, they would pick them up. They would come on board for the the shows. The the other shows they had uh, in the evenings were things like um, Eric Jones, a magician, Mm -hmm. uh, sleight of hand. uh, He's fantastic. Oh, yeah. We just saw him. We literally just saw him on the magic. He was so, so good. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, uh, Ventriloquist Taylor Monson. Mason. Yeah. He's been on our show. Taylor Mason, shout out. (laughs) Oh yeah. My wife loved him. She was giggling and laughing at his entire show. We had to go to his, his shows that were in the Walt Disney theater. He did a couple of smaller shows later in the evening. We, we had to go to all of those. Oh, I love that. Yeah. They bring on some great variety acts in general, but you get more of them, of course, on these longer, these longer sailings. And the quality of the acts is, is absolutely amazing. Uh, I've cruised on some other cruise lines that aren't up to the same level as Disney, and you'll get illusionists and ventriloquists, but they're just not quite the the quality that you get with the Disney cruise line. Yeah. What other lines actually have you sailed on, John? I think that's always a helpful um, you know, comparison for folks to know what, what experience you have outside of Disney as well. 
Caribbean is the other line. Royal, um, yeah. And again, yeah. It's, yeah, and Carnival, sorry. Um, and again, not quite there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we hear, you know, Brian has gone on Royal Caribbean with Nathan once now. We're uh, headed to try them actually twice this year or this coming year. And, you know, I, I have heard good things from a lot of folks, but I'm also knowing to temper my expectations in certain areas. Let me just put it that way. Tempering expectations is going to be a motif. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, some time in the in the Hawaiian Islands. What's your your is your first port of call Hilo? It was uh, when we were there. We went on a uh, broad tour. Our, our friend hadn't been there in a while, so we went on um, a, a tour of the island, an overview of the island, to the Black Sand Beach, to uh, a small shopping center, to the banyan trees that they have in Hilo, um, places like that. And it was fantastic. The, the Black Sand Beach um, that we went to is one where the sea turtles come in. And when we were there, they weren't on land. But if you just walked around the edge of the beach and looked in the water, you would see them swimming around. And the, the silly joke I was telling people, as every dad would, um, the word, the Hawaiian word for turtle is honu. And when they get caught spinning in a little circle, it's a whole new world. <laughs> whole new world. Oh my gosh, dad joke of the, the year right there. <laughs> that is amazing, John. I love it. I love it. I live for that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I told that and they actually let me on the bus back to the ship. So <laughs> thank you for being forgiving. I love it. I love it. Listen, I love a, I love a turtle. I love a turtle joke. That works for me. <laughs> All right. Well, Hilo uh, sounds like a, a great a great stop. Um, what was your What was your second stop? We went to Honolulu, and this is not the final stop at Honolulu. We we're going to go to Honolulu for a day, then to uh, uh, Kauai and Maui, and then back to Honolulu. And when we went to Honolulu the first time, uh, our, our friend went off to the cultural center. Polynesian Cultural Center. And my wife and I went to the Bishop Museum, which is close to the ship pier, uh, but is just just far enough that you don't want to walk. So we caught the tour bus there, went to the museum. I was fascinated with that place. I could have spent the entire day there. They had life-size whale um, castings that you could see, uh, movies from the way Hawaii used to be to the way it is now, uh, lots of artwork. Uh, interactive exhibits for for young kids, uh, a great gift shop. One of the challenges we had is that a lot of the ports we went to, we didn't get a whole lot of time in the ports. So if you wanted to do shopping, you either had to do that as your entire day because you really didn't have enough time to do one of the, the cruise line tours and get a lot of shopping time in. But again, I could have spent all day there. And this is where we kind of hit a speed bump on our tour. Uh, as we were going through the the museum, my wife was coughing and was getting a little bit nervous because of the potential for having COVID. And when we got back to the ship, her cough wasn't getting any better. So we went down to the nurse and both took the COVID test. Uh, I was negative. She was positive. Ah, uh, bummer. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, this was an interesting lesson in what Disney Cruise Line is doing about COVID positive tests in October 2023, and they're following CDC guidance. So uh, the good news is we weren't asked to leave the ship. She got isolated to another cabin on the same deck as what we were on. We were on the port side. Her new cabin was on the starboard side. 
uh, they didn't give her a key to get into the, the room because you're isolated to the room. And their logic was they explained it to us. If you step out of the room, you can't get back in. We don't want you back in because if you step out of the room, you're going to get taken off the ship. Right. right. <laughs> so, we know you break it. You've broken your quarantine. That's what, so they, that's what they did with me. And this was back in 2021, um, during, you know, with COVID protocol. So I was isolated in, I was isolated in a stateroom on deck two, even though we were up on deck eight at the time. Um, that's where they stuck me. And there was actually a wing of isolation, uh, there, but I was not given a key to the room that I was put in. So yeah, interesting. Uh, sorry, go go on, John. <laughs> it, and this is uh, a, a few lessons came out of this. Her room was actually better than the room that my her family <laughs> friend and I got left in. <laughs> she had uh, her um, lanai, the uh, balcony, had a compass and it had some charts, nautical charts on the wall. Which again, I'm a navy geek, so that oh, really cool. appealed to me. Yeah, uh, she had it all to herself. And you were like, John, John, I feel, I feel a tickle in the back of my throat. I think I'd like to stay in this room. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and then they told her that she would have to be isolated for five days. And then after that, she'd be allowed out. And that was uh, soothing for us because this was happening while the guests were going to turn over in a couple of days. So we were going to be able to stay on the ship and do the second half of our cruise. Oh yeah. Cause you didn't need to dis. Cause uh, gosh, that would be such a, uh, yeah, headache. You have, if you had to disembark in Honolulu and not be able to get back on the ship because yeah, yeah. dreams and yeah. that didn't happen. Oh, that's we, well, that's good. We also learned exactly one of the traits that the head waiter has. Uh, our head waiter was named John as well. And he took my wife under his wing called her for every meal with the menu for the the what the restaurants were serving and had that delivered. So she didn't just have to deal with room service and the, the somewhat limited room service menu. She was getting the regular meals from the restaurants while she was in quarantine. Oh, that's really nice. Now, did they do that for breakfast and lunch as well? Or was that just for dinner? And, all you three. know, all, all three. three. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Like one of the questions you kind of have um, perhaps is what does the head waiter really do? And this is an example of the extra mile he, he took or extra mile he walked for us. Uh, very beneficial, kept her off of that very limited menu, get her some variety. And then for the, the next two islands, um, uh, Maui and uh, now really, really in Kauai, uh, I didn't do any of the tours. We had signed up for tours. Uh, I stayed on board to help her with running errands, getting her coffee, things like that in between meals. So uh, that was our, our time there. Uh, I missed Kauai. That was a beautiful island. I've been to it before. I want to go back. Uh, and Maui was now, when we were there, it was just reopening from the devastating fire Lahaina had. That isn't where we tied up or anything like that. Um, but they were o- reopening and so it, it felt good about being able to go into town uh, there and, and help out the local economy recover from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, John, just to rewind for a second, I just wanted to highlight one thing for our listeners that we have we have heard, we experienced. I want to see if it's true in your case. Uh, we've heard that the health center, so you walked down, you did the right thing, you reported, you, you know, you both took tests, it sounds like. I'm guessing they charged you for your test, but they did not charge your wife for her test. We didn't get charged for either test. The The nurse was absolutely wonderful. Um, she very clearly explained what, what they were required to do, 
what their policies were, what our rights were, uh, whether or not we wanted to be tested um, and things like that. So she, she was 100% crystal clear with, with the whole process beginning to end. She would swing by and check on my wife every day. There was another woman, it turns out, that also came up positive. Um, so she was running up there once a day to check on uh, the people that were left in the in isolation like that. So that's that's good to hear because we have heard that like, so on our recent cruise, we had a norovirus outbreak and we've seen this uh, or heard this from Disney for both COVID and now norovirus. They were sort of like, well, if you test and it comes back positive, we won't charge you. But if you test and it comes back negative, we'll have to charge you for the test, which I have which always is a totally perverse is a incentive. Yeah, which yeah. is a ridiculous rule to have. So I'm glad that they did not apply that in your case, Sean. So yeah. Quick question, John, also to follow up on this. Obviously, your wife probably caught COVID on the ship. Um, and I say obviously because you had already you had been on for six days prior to hitting Hawaii when she, you know, developed symptoms. Did Disney offer any compensation for any portion of your cruise fare? And did they refund your excursions that you had planned on taking? For the cruise fare. Uh, not to my knowledge, they didn't offer that. They did give us full refunds for both of us for the tours that we missed. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That was completely fair to me. We were both on the ship. We, you know, both getting the meals, things like that. One of us couldn't walk around. Um, but that was, that was the, the fair thing in my eyes. All right. Well, so let's, let's talk about the process in Honolulu then. So she's just, yeah. So she's just finishing her quarantine time. I take it like right then, literally that day. Um, and you've got to, you know, disembark and then reembark. Is there a, tell us about that process and were there any complications Ooh, in general? Complications. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. So, uh, her her process was simple. She stays in her cabin all day. She doesn't disembark. She doesn't get back on the ship, anything like that. She just stays in and everyone on the ship knew about it. That was fine. For me, the process was to get a yellow card from guest services that said you're reboarding. Uh, you don't have to pack up your luggage. Well, since we were staying in the exact same cabin, we didn't even have to pack up our luggage. All I had to do was have that yellow card. They recommended getting off for last call and they're calling out uh, Chip and Dale and Mickey and Donald Duck luggage tags, things like that. They said, just wait till the end, wait for last call, go off the ship, immediately get back in line with that yellow card, which I understood to be kind of like a, a the ultimate and fast pass. You immediately do the that's the what they do for back-to-back -back cruisers. You and and then vendors are basically getting on back on the ship first. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. Uh, that message didn't get down to the independent contractors that were working the doors to let people back into the cruise terminal. <laughs> so I wound up getting in line with a bunch, uh, the, the first group, the first boarding group, essentially. DVC members, Platinum, Pearl members, things like that. And that was kind of interesting because we started talking about what is your next cruise, things like that. Uh, a lot of these people were on the inaugural wish sailings. And they didn't have good things to say about the inaugural cruises on the Wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a divisiveness around around the Wish. I'll say there's there there are plenty of folks out there who like the Wish. I think folks who sailed on her earlier uh, experienced some of the bumps that and kinks, and many of which have been worked out now. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the first, so we were on the maiden voyage and then obviously like the first several months were the inaugural sailings from what we experienced then and then sailing on the wish, you know, like nine months later, um, a, 
she was in her groove at that point, right? So there were definitely things that were not ready and there were definitely, um, you know, hiccups. Let's call them hiccups, bumps in the road, as Brian called them. Uh, we personally think that there's a, one, a lot of wonderful things about The Wish. She is very different than the other, uh, the other four ships, but um, that's not to say she's, you know, worse, just different. That was our that's our experience, but I we know there's a lot of uh, controversy out there on whether you know people like the wish or not. <laughs> and I have to take everyone's word for it because I haven't been. Then when I got into the line, all I had to do was check in with the the check in desk and get back on the ship. But they gave me the health questionnaire. Said had anyone in my party, which was just me, been in contact with someone who's positive for COVID? So I had to check yes. <laughs> And so that caused another 45-minute delay. They had me sit on a little bench to the side. Um, the manager promised that they wouldn't forget about me or anything like that. Uh, but it did take a while for, again, the the temporary workers, which might not be the right word to use about people all working the, the cruise terminal there uh, for Disney that one day, got in touch with the ship to go through the process for how to let me back on the ship. Right, right. That makes sense because they're not, well, I mean, it's it's annoying because obviously the ship already knew what was going on and that you were coming back on. Um, but you're right. They The folks at the port are not, um, they're not like full-time Disney employees, right? They're, they've got just the, your sailing that's coming in and then the sailing coming out. And then on the, you know, however many months she's in uh, Australia, New Zealand, they'll have her on the way back and that's it. Right. So they don't, it's not like they are Disney dedicated employees. They are, you know, often temporary port employees. You understand exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So after a lot of rigmarole, you eventually get back on the ship. I take it. <laughs> it, it exactly. And um, got back on, settled right back in. Uh, nice weather. So immediately headed back up to the deck to, to relax, things like that. Um, ready for more sea days. And, and let me just say at this point, for me, the favorite, my favorite part of this trip, other than Pago Pago, were the sea days. I, I love them. Just being able to sit by the pool and relax, have a cup of coffee, uh, maybe one of the drinks of the day uh, later on in the afternoon. And with as few people as there were on the ship for these longer um, transfer voyages, you usually are able to get a chair or a lounger in the shade. One of the prime pieces of, of real estate, so to speak. And there's just not people there fighting for them and you don't have those problems. So it's very relaxing to go up to deck 10, sit in the shade, listen to the kids in the kids pool, go down to the adult area for some quiet time, uh, hang out at the family pool, watch funnel vision, things like that. And for me, that was a wonderful, and my, again, my second favorite part of the cruise were just those sea days, being able to relax, perfect weather, Gorgeous sea around you. Fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. Now, speaking of um, the number of passengers, um, do you have any idea about how full the ship was on on both your first leg and your second leg? So from Vancouver to Hawaii and then from Hawaii to Sydney. There were, I was told, about 1,700 guests on each leg. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. So the but ship. I was also told nearly 95% capacity. And 
why are these two numbers so out of whack with each other when it can hold 4,000? Some people will say capacity is based on the number of cabins that have at least one person in them. And then we're also talking about what is the total number of people on the ship. So ah, so you had a lot of rooms with people in them, but probably not rooms with five people in them. You had room, lots of rooms with one and two people in them. Exactly. A, a couple, but the kids aren't there for this cruise. So instead of having, like you're saying, instead of three or four people in a cabin, there's only two things like that. Yeah. So that's a good, that actually is a great segue to demographics. Like what would you say were the, you know, ages of the folks on, let's talk both cruises. First, the, you know, your, your Vancouver to Hawaii leg, and then second, your Hawaii to Sydney leg. Uh, The number of kids were, that went to the kids club, at least were in the dozens. Wow. I don't (laughs) think there were a hundred kids. I'd, I'd be surprised if there were that many. If there were, they must have stayed down in the cabins all day. <laughs> yeah. So not a lot of young kids, maybe more more in the the sort of teenager uh, age range, but yeah, not a lot of kids on that sailing. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, most of the couples there were, or, or the, the adults there, were actually uh, my, my age, the retired age. Um, just looking on the ship, uh, think of it that way. The cruise director actually made a a small joke about that on during one of the morning shows, uh, saying that, oh, we love grandparents on these cruises. Grandparents pay for everything. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that got a chuckle out of the room too, because it was a lot of grandparents there. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Well, when do you you and your wife get to reunite then? Is it day two of of this uh this second leg of this cruise? The morning of the third day. So oh, the right, third she day. gets released. Okay. She comes back to our cabin. We stayed in our cabin. We didn't get to go to her slightly better cabin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We were alone at that point. So she was happy to be out. And we spent the day doing the things she wanted to do, which was go around to the Mickey's mainsail to do some shopping, uh, hang out on the pool deck, things like that. Yeah. So your friend only joined you for the for the first leg and, and then left from Hawaii, I take it? Yeah. She she went to Alani for I think three or four days after we were after we left and then went back to the Seattle area. Hey DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash L Duo, so they know we sent you their way. Thanks, My Path Unwinding, for sponsoring the show. And with that, back to our episode. Uh, I'm curious, did you get to say, it feels to me like there were a lot of people doing the back-to-back on this cruise. Did you get that sense as well? Were there a, a lot of uh, familiar faces on the second cruise? There, there were enough familiar faces that you noticed it. 
I would guess probably about 10 to 15% of the, the people were back to back. Um, I expected it to be a, a few more than what I actually noticed, though. I expected there to be uh, maybe a third of the people. Uh, but again, three and a half weeks is a lot of time off. And the temptation to stay in Australia for a few days, which we did as well, would make that a month-long vacation, which I understand is going to be hard for a lot of people to be able to fit into their, to their lives. We wish we could fit it into our lives, but it's just not feasible with work schedules and school schedules. I mean, it maybe if it were in summertime or over the Christmas holidays, you know, something like that. But the time of year and, you know, just work schedules being what they are, it's very, I think, very difficult, which is why, as you mentioned, it was a lot of grandparents on the cruise. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about some of the special stuff on board uh, before, of course, you you get to your first port stop because your port stops are all way out in the Pacific. So as you mentioned, you had a few days, uh, you had a few sea days at the beginning. But yeah, what did they do on board? Uh, what kind of fun stuff did they get up to on board and um, on the way across the Pacific? Um, one of the things that we got invited to was the gold level castaway key club membership get together so we got to go down to the walt disney theater uh with all the other gold members on board um they gave out champagne and non-alcoholic drinks before you went in and we got to see a dress rehearsal of the golden mickeys uh not a, not a dress rehearsal a a cast rehearsal and what was interesting about that particular rehearsal is that when the scene changed it was a different set of actors from the entourage that were doing the second scene. And the, the director you know, pointed out, did everyone notice that? And well, a lot of us raised our hands. Yeah, we, we did. It was different people. And it turns out that the next ensemble was on board in addition to the, the ones from that sailed with us from Vancouver to Hawaii. So there was going to be a crew or cast member, literal cast member turnover for the people that do the shows. The new crew was on board, rehearsing, getting ready to take over from the previous crew. So it was nice to be able to see that. Uh, and you got to, again, when you're hanging out up on the, the sun deck or things like that, you'll look over and think that the guy sitting next to me in that lounge chair looks a lot like he could be Tarzan in an alternate universe and things <laughs> like that. So you can have conversations with them and, and, and things like that. They they were on board relaxing, getting ready to take over the shows. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that you might actually see on other cruises too. People don't realize, but particularly the entertainment staff, they have a little bit more freedom as to where they can hang out and they can hang out more in the in some of the guest spaces than some of the other cast can. And so you so once in a while, you'll see them. Sometimes you can see the dining staff managers, not the regular dining staff. But you can see them, you know, hanging out at the adults only uh, quiet cove pool or something like that. There have been a few times uh, on our Panama Canal cruise where we would go to a, an evening dinner and look over at a table that had a bunch of 20 something young ladies sitting at it. And you're like, they look very royal and regal. And, and <laughs> Those I, are some princesses, uh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't quite put it together, but uh, there they were. The, the other highlight that they do on cruises that are of the longer length. And, and someone tried to explain to me, if the cruise is X number of days long, you get a laundry special halfway through the cruise. And if it's X plus five days long, they do um, a crew talent show. 
And I, I know other guests have talked about the talent show. It is amazing. If you get a chance to see one of those, I really recommend it. It just drives home how talented the cast members actually are. I, I've had people that gave me the the art walk through the ship, pointing out the, the art deco style, the art nouveau style. It turns out that they've also spent three years in the costume department on Broadway shows or <laughs> things like that. And so they come out for the talent show and they sing. And I thought you were in the props department. I was. I wasn't good enough to uh, actually get up on stage to, to sing. I was only in the background cast on stage. And oh, it's just crazy how talented those people are. Highlight of the cruise. Oh, I love that. I'm so jealous. We still have not been on a cruise where they've done the talent show. We've been on a couple of the, you know, longer cruises where they've had special performers, but we have not gotten that darn talent show. And I wish that, you know, I wish that to happen because I, yeah, I love hearing about, you know, the different talents or the many talents of, of the casting crew of Disney Cruise Line. Cause as you mentioned, sometimes you get like a singer out of a you know, a server or something like that. And yeah, really cool stuff. A, a shout out to Cersei, um, one of the cast members on board. She was the Irish penny whistle champion <laughs> at <laughs> one point. And it, she played the penny whistle for us for the, the talent show. And I, I love me some Irish folk music. I, uh, oh, yeah. How amazing is that? That's so cool. Well, what about um, some of the other uh, special experiences on board? Were there, do they have any, you know, I can't remember from our previous shows that we've done about this, this, uh, with the sailing, did they have an, didn't they have like an Imagineer or somebody important on? I can't remember. They had a National Geographic um, photographer who, whose name I, I'm forgetting right now, uh, come out and give talks every day and show some of the photos he's taken. And he, uh, uh, we bought his book, we got him to autograph it. He had the ability to explain what f-stop and focal length and camera speed and all those other terms that I know nothing about, how they actually work and why the camera and, and how to make them so that you could see what your human eye sees. So you get the entire panorama or you want to bring it in and focus on just the bird or the plant that you want. And this is why you change these settings. And this is how it affects the field of vision of the, the camera. And that was just the, the first talk he gave <laughs> was that. And uh, he, w- he was fascinating. Another, another um, New Zealander talking with us. Um, so he was the special guest. They also unofficially were doing some dress rehearsals for a, a show on the top deck. So normally where they do the um, uh, pirate night or frozen night, things like that, they were doing another show. Couldn't take photographs or anything like that. And I had no idea what the show was going to be. I went up and watched them. The The actors weren't wearing costumes. They were just in street clothes doing that, walking through the, the thing. And it turns out that was a show that um, the Marvel Heroes Unite show. Oh, yeah, that they then did in on the Australia New Zealand sailings. Yeah, right. We got to see the soft opening of that on the Wonder. And I thought that was just amazing and unique and found out later. Oh, no, this is another show from from another ship that they just brought to this one. But for for not expecting it and not knowing what was going to happen, uh, letting that Disney show take me completely by surprise, which in the internet world of today is kind of hard. I, I was stunned. It was so fascinating to me how they had um, Hydra agents rappelling down the ship funnels 
and then it, you know, running through the the guests as we stood around watching the show. And they had uh, video of those same Hydra agents running up and down the ship. So down on the deck three the, with the running track and things like that. They were going up and down that and fighting uh, Captain America and, and the Black Panther and things like that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we've heard about this and I think they, I'm not sure if it's that it was shown on the Marvel Day at Sea or if it's going to be the new, or it is the new show for the Marvel Day at Sea sailings as well. Yeah. But it's, I think it may be like a revamped version anyway. And of course it's been, you know, we've heard that it's been playing essentially on the, the, New Zealand and Australia cruises, but I wonder if this is going to be on the next series of Marvel Day at Sea cruises as well. I would hope so. It was a fun show. It had all of the heroes that you would expect. Um, It ties in with uh, Stark Expo and even has a special guest by one of the key creators of the Marvel Universe. For people that haven't seen the show yet, I'll just leave it at that. Leave it at that. Uh, Be surprised when you see that person on screen. Awesome. Um, It was a lot of fun. Well, we know that they did something special for the International Dateline Crossing. Um, Was it? Or is it the International Dateline Crossing or the Equator Crossing? I forget. The Equator Crossing. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Right. They they had a uh, King Triton ceremony so that you are no longer a polywog. You are now a hardy shellback. And for all the (laughs) Navy folks out there, it wasn't anything like that. It was a lot of fun, <laughs> um, squirting water on people and, and just having a lot of fun up on the deck for that. Now, what was interesting about that, and I and they didn't make a big deal about this on uh, on ship. They knew that they wanted to actually cross the equator when people were up. Originally, when they were looking at you know, how fast they were going and everything, like that, they realized they were going to cross in the middle of the night and no one would be up. So they sped up for the first few days so that we'd cross at 1045 on October 16th. And October 16th kind of stuck in my head there for a little bit. And then it occurred to me, that was the 100th anniversary of the Disney company. That was the day that that Disney was founded 100 years before. And I thought they would have mentioned that a little bit more, but it it just wasn't. So on the 100th anniversary of the the founding of the Disney company, the first Disney cruise ship crossed from the North to the South Pacific. Oh, that's so cool. That is really awesome. What a fun, what a fun event and a sort of historical moment to be a part of. And then because, because there was a lot of grandparents, I'll just share this. Uh, we, We went up to the deck, did the countdown, Across the equator, and then immediately everyone went back. Everyone went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Everyone went to bed. Yep, <laughs> that was it. That was it for the night. That listen, it's a good enough that people stayed up till ten forty-five for that. So <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's talk about the ports because you had obviously super unique ports, and not a lot of them. You only had what three ports before you hit Sydney? Only three, uh, but the first one was one. Uh, just on the personal side of things, I spent the last half of my Navy career trying to get to Pago Pago in American Samoa. Just any excuse, any reason to send me there never happened. So I finally got to go there. And so I got up early that morning as we're cruising in, I'm looking at the islands. And if you've seen the short movie Lava, Disney short movie Lava with the little singing volcano, that's what Pago Pago looked like. Just those steep green cliffs shooting up out of the ocean. I fell in love with that place immediately. Then I told my wife, if, if we would have been able to get here, you know, five years before, this is where I would have wanted to retire. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite far away though, John, you know? It is. 
it is, but it was amazing. We pulled into Pago Pago. So we're in a, a, a giant amphitheater, for lack of a better word. You've got those sheer green lava cliffs on one side of you, just plant, green plants, trees, everything growing on them. They lit off the uh, When You Wish Upon a Star horn, and all these kids that were sitting in front of the school jumped up and started cheering, and then the sound started echoing back and forth because it's bouncing off those high canyon walls. It was the right way for me to enter that place that I wanted to go all these years. Oh, that's amazing. What did you guys get up to um, on the on the island? Oh my gosh, we got on one of the tour buses that everyone was talking about, and I, I had a blast. Uh one of the things I got to hear Joe Rody give a talk a few years ago, and he said, when you see the tour brochures for tropical beaches, you're going to see the sandy beach with one person sitting on a lounge chair on the beach, things like that. Um, that's not the way the people actually live. And when we got to Pago Pago, when I saw the kids jump up and see the Disney ship come in and they all start yelling and screaming and cheering and waving at us, I realized we're not going to get that brochure adventure here. We're going to get the way people actually live. And when we got to the tour buses, we got to experience the way they actually live because they were, again, old Ford trucks that had custom uh, bus attachments built on top of them, for lack of a better word, plexiglass windows, things like that. Uh, our high, our tour guide was a high school girl that was taking the day off because she was excited and wanted to talk about her island and her culture and her family. What we wound up doing was a tour to her family's homestead where her younger sister came out. She's going to be a princess, so she was in her regalia. They did a dance for us. They fed us some samples of their food, uh, chicken with coconut milk on it, fresh coconut milk, uh, cocoa, uh, and something that I've been wanting to try forever was some breadfruit. It was honest, authentic, and um, real is what we were getting from from these people. They told us they only get maybe one or two cruise ships a month. So while they have a tourism industry, they're not working on it full time. So this isn't something they do every day. This is something that the people that are interested and excited and want to talk about the way they live would do. Absolute blast. I was a little bit taken aback by the number of... <laughs> Um, and this is going to make maybe make some people a little bit squeamish. Uh, the number of mausoleums that were built into the porches of the houses. <laughs> oh, that's very strange. It was. We were driving by all these houses, and you look over on the porch, and you're like, "That looks like something that you would see in an above ground cemetery, maybe from New Orleans or something like that." And yes, it's when the grandparents or the the ancestors pass away, they keep them as part of the family, as part of the culture. Wow. So they're like in your on, in the porch. Exactly. Exactly. But it, Pago Pago was amazing. Recommend it. Uh, when we got done with our tour, uh, it was three o'clock in the afternoon, kind of short. And uh, a lot of people were wondering why it was so short. And my thought was, well, there's only you know 16 buses on this island. They need these buses to take the kids home from school at 3.15 or 3.30. Oh, or probably. Out. Yeah. And as I'm walking around, I notice there's a lot of kids at the high school sitting underneath one of the bleachers waiting for buses to come pick them up to take them home. So <laughs> may maybe that's why. I can't say it was. You know, small island, not that many buses, not that many resources, share and share alike. Absolutely. Well, that, I mean, sounds like a really cool place to go. Really interesting. It's, it, it's like 
very probably similar to Hawaii before Hawaii became all touristy. <laughs> I, I think so. It's the southernmost U.S. land uh, south of the equator there. I, I'm trying to figure out how we can get down there and spend a couple of weeks on land. That place was... As we're driving down the dirt roads to get to the to the uh, family's estate, the trees that are brushing up against us, I look out, they're avocado trees with fresh avocados just hanging on them. Oh my <laughs> it, it, God. It was just such an amazing place. Just full of wonder and excitement. I, I can't wait to get back there. Yeah. I'd just be picking off the avocados and finding me some chips to... <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about what was your second port of call. That Uh, was Fiji. And that was my least favorite, actually. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Uh, And for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I I had seen the brochures for Fiji. And so in my mind, even though I knew not to expect it, I was was wanting beaches and the quiet um, atmosphere like that. Uh, There's so many islands. And the way it works, uh, a resort will lease or buy an island. And then they own the island. And so they do have the private beaches with the lounge chairs and the little drinks that have umbrellas on them, things like that. We pulled into the working city, Suva, which makes all that possible. And the tour guides were definitely professional tour guides. So it was like they were reading from a script when they were taking us in our buses to uh, the tour we did, which was an ecological farm. So we went out to the farm. It was advertised as a moderate challenge. And it was essentially walking up and down a relatively steep hill, uh, which taxed some of the people on the tour to their limits. The tour guides actually had to stop the tour in in some ways to be able to help some of the people make it back, frankly. Um, So we didn't have the greatest experience there. Uh, Again, though, uh, I understand that we weren't seeing Fiji at its uh, most relaxing. We were on a challenging tour with, with tour guides and a tourist environment. If I went back again, I would want to go visit the people as they actually live. Well, and it sounds like not really great in the description of the tour or, you know, not fully accurate in, in the strenuousness. And at, we found that, you know, most of the time the tour descriptions are, you know, decent, but occasionally they lack um, one detail and occasionally, you know, they are incorrect when they, you know, tell you how strenuous or not strenuous activity is. And as you mentioned, this, this cruise skewed older than Disney's normal, uh, demographic. Um, I'm not, not saying that grandparents don't take Disney cruise line. Of course they do, but there's usually more parents and children than there are grandparents. And this, this cruise was kind of, was the opposite. Yeah. To me, the challenge ratings are like, um, reading a menu and, the menu says the food is spicy. Well, is this, you know, is this New York spicy or Texas spicy? (laughs) (laughs) Or Seattle spicy. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, what was your third port of call? Uh, That was New Caledonia. So uh, French Polynesia. And uh, I really wanted to go here as well. When I grew up, I was reading books, you know, like Robert Stewart, Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island and all the South Pacific exploration books, Contiki by uh, Torheider, all things like that. So I was really wanting to get down to French Polynesia and it was a, a fun tour. We went to, uh, we did a tour, went to an aquarium, an overlook of the island, uh, a nice little quiet beach and a shopping center and then back to the ship. Uh, we actually got recruited by the 
tour guide. They're trying to get people to move there. So if you speak French and want to move to uh, French Polynesia, that's the only requirement. Pass the French test and you can move in. They need engineers. <laughs> there you go, Martha. I, I, I gave your spiel for you. But it, but it was nice. It was very much a it was the most modern of the cities or the islands that we went to. Uh, you could think of Pago Pago as being, like you were saying, Sam, uh, close to what Hawaii used to be before everything happened. Uh, Fiji, where we were, was industrial. Uh, but this had coffee shops, um, uh, regular shopping in the downtown area, uh, things like that. It was a, a bigger city, bigger island. Did you get the sense of whether, you know, crew were able to get off and spend some time in the ports or, or talk to any of the crew about that opportunity? Oh, yes. Uh, this might be a little bit embarrassing, but I won't mention names. There was a little park about three quarters of a mile from the ship. After we got back, I went on a jog up and down the, the coast there. That little park was kind of isolated from the rest of the island. And there were some people that I had seen before that were taking advantage of a nice, quiet, secluded park on a tropical island <laughs> to connect with each other. Oh, connect with each other. I know what that means. Children, close your ears. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's um, move on. No, that's hilarious. That's really funny. <laughs> it, it, it'd be clear. It, was, it, was, it wasn't guests from the ship. It was they, they were obeying the, the rules of the rules which they need to obey. Let me be clear about that. Well, now we've covered all of your your port your port excursions, your port stops. We've covered some of the special stuff on board. Before we, you know, before we subject you to, of course, my rapid fire, is there anything that we missed? Uh, you know, any big events that occurred on board that we haven't talked about, or anything, you know, that you found particularly surprising or unusual about? Well, Sam, this have cruise? we talked? Have we talked food? You know we haven't, but uh, like, how do we get through? How do we get through two cruises in twenty three days on board without even a mention of food? That's 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 crazy. J yeah, John. Before we go to the things that were maybe surprising and unmentioned, I just wanted to ask: How was the food? You should have gotten some maybe some you know menus pulled out that were that are you know not uh, normal for Disney. I don't know if you did any adult dining while you were on board or not, but yeah, how we, was the food we experience? Did. We went to Polo brunch for one leg of the cruise, the first leg of the cruise, and we did a dinner for the second leg. And it was Paulo. It was absolutely wonderful. Uh, lava cake, lava cake, lava cake. <laughs> <laughs> the the concern I had with the food was not actually the food because I've been on the longer foods uh, or longer cruises and they rotate the menus around enough so that you do get a variety. I was concerned about the 8.15, we were on second dinner rotation, so 8.15 for dinner every night. I, I don't necessarily eat at the exact same time every day, so I was wondering how that was going to work out after three and a half weeks on board, and it, it turned out to be okay. There were a few days, though, that you know, at five o'clock, I'm really hungry. Well, you know what? I can go get a hamburger from Pete's Boiler Bites, or I can go get some shawarma, or I can go get a salad from Daisy's Delight, so I, I can uh, make that work and still eat when I'm hungry without needing to necessarily wait for dinner. So it, that worked out. Uh, cabanas for breakfast every day. I had the same creature of habit. I had the same breakfast every day. Lunch, we rotated around between cabanas and the uh, uh, sit-down restaurants, uh, get the Kafka burger and things like that. Uh, but dinner was uh, uh, a nice... Again, they, they rotated around the menus. It wasn't the same 
five menus over and over again, you would see new things like uh, uh, boulonnaise or uh, prime rib and, and things like that. Enough variety that you could ro- not get bored. And now to go back to Sam's question, two things that happened that were a little bit unexpected were crossing the international dateline. That happened in the middle of the night, and it wasn't that much of an event. There was no great big party for it. You just went to sleep one night and got up the next morning, and instead of it being the 23rd, it was the 24th. Right, you just skipped a day. (laughs) A a number on a calendar that I frankly wasn't paying attention to was a different number than I was expecting. Sure, whatever. Um, But the way that I found out that our South Pacific cruise was over was the two days before we hit Sydney, right at the end of the morning show, the cruise director films out every day and they broadcast it on TV throughout the day. Uh, the captain interrupted the show with an announcement that in about 15 minutes, we were going to hit 60 mile an hour winds and seas up to 20 feet tall <laughs> because a cold front was blowing out of Antarctica. <laughs> and I'm just like, I had never thought that I would be involved with a cold front cold front blowing from Antarctica. Uh, but there we were. And so the, everyone starts getting ready for that. The ship's going to be rock and rolling. And he said, the, the ship, the wind may be blowing hard enough to actually put a list or a tilt to the ship. And it did. It put a small, a small little tilt to the starboard side. So if you had a marble, it would roll to the one side of the ship. But at the end of three weeks, uh, we Hopefully, I'm, I don't know if I'm speaking for everyone. I'm speaking for my immediate family. We had our sea legs. So the rocking and rolling wasn't that bad. I went up to the top deck to experience the 60 mile an hour winds. There were about five of us up there doing that. <laughs> the winds got that high, but we never got the 20 foot seas. And the captain later said, well, when we get these reports, respond as if the worst case scenario is going to happen. So the worst projection was 20 foot seas. That's what he thought. We, that's what he thought was telling us we needed to prepare for. We didn't get that. Well, you being a retired sailor, you were probably like, ah, that's no big deal anyway. <laughs> 60 mile an hour winds and 20 foot seas, that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, but the, the Wonder handled it well. The stabilizers kicked in. Um, and like I said, by that point, we should have all had our sea legs and it, it really wasn't that noticeable. Except for the final show, um, Disney Dreams, they didn't have Peter Pan and Wendy actually flying. So, yeah. Smart. We don't want people on wires while the ship is rocking a little bit more than it normally Exactly. Is. Safety first. Let, let's keep everyone healthy. So, John, often we get asked, you know, or, or, or f- folks want to know, you did this back-to-back 23 nights on board a Disney cruise. Would you do it again? Uh, would you be on a ship that long again? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I was joking with my wife this I didn't know if I was going to be willing to get right back on board. We, we did a Panama Canal cruise one year. And when it was done, I was done. I was ready to get back to work and things like that. Uh, on this one, I got off the ship and I said, you know, I could get right back on it and do the, the first four-day cruise here down in Australia. It wouldn't bother me at all. Uh, I would do that again. I don't know if I would go back across the Pacific. The relaxing aspect of going from to the West is that you get an hour back every few days. And we got a total of, I think, eight hours back of sleep. Uh, going the other way, you're going to lose those eight hours. That's going to annoy me. <laughs> well, sounds like an amazing uh, cruise. Now, 
we know from talking to other folks who were on your sailing that you all docked in one place in Australia and then the ship was actually going to be moved for their its first uh, embarkation. Um, so you didn't really get to experience, I, I take it, the, the pomp and circumstance uh, of you know her arrival because that was all set up at the other dock. Is that right? I didn't realize the ship was going to need a day to uh, basically get cleaned up, get refueled, do maintenance on the engines, whatever they need to do before they start the Australia cruises. So I really wasn't paying attention to that. What did happen, which I thought was just incredible, is when we got to Melbourne, so we didn't stay in Sydney. We, we got off the ship, got off, went over to Melbourne. That's where our flight was going to be leaving. There were people on the streets of Melbourne and in the shops talking about the Disney wonder over in Sydney. And I got to have a lot of conversations with, with just regular people that lived there in Melbourne about what, what are people going to do when they go on this ship? One of them had a cousin that was going on the uh, trip in two weeks. What do you do on this ship? And we got to talk about that. And they knew it was there and they were asking questions about it. And of course, I'm, I'm, you know, repping the brand. I'm wearing my Disney Wonder shirt and the Australia, New Zealand Disney shirt and Disney Cruise Line gray long sleeve shirts. I have four of them. I didn't even realize that until I was on that <laughs> ship. I keep buying the same shirt. Um, but Sounds about it, it right. Was, it was a great way to, to start conversations with, with the folks in Melbourne. Well, John, it sounds like an amazing cruise, 23 nights of adventure. Uh, despite some hiccups, sounds like you had a great time. And uh, I think we have now reached that point in the show where Sam gets to ask you a bunch of arbitrary questions, apply some arbitrary rules and throw in a dash of judgment or the round we know as rapid fire. So Sam, you want to take it away? Yeah. All right, John, you are ready for this, I'm sure. But I want to know your personal Disney favorites and Disney Cruise Line favorites. So we're going to start with the most important question of all. Who is your favorite Disney character? Donald Duck. Oh, same as Brian. Love it. He's All a sailor. Right. I'm a sailor. There we go. There you go. Yep. I, right. I always like to tell him on board, he's the only one with any sailing experience, yet Mickey and Minnie are the, the two captains. So, two you captains. know, he needs yep. a promotion. <laughs> There's a reason he's not in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can understand his orders is the problem. <laughs> you know? All right. What is your favorite Disney movie? Tangled. Oh, love that. What's your favorite Disney song? How Far I'll Go from Moana. Yes, we were just talking about this song today. And I have to say on this show, there is, and we heard this from someone who's from New Zealand, there is actually a version of this, um, of How Far I'll Go and a bunch of other songs in native New Zealand language Maori. So I've heard uh, Te Kava. I think that I think I'm pronouncing the name right. Sing that version. It it's a stunning so song in whatever language. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, now the important questions. Your Disney Cruise Line favorites. What is your favorite Disney Cruise Line stage show on any of the ships that you've been on? Uh, Tangled the musical, and it's because Mother Gothard was. The Broadway yes, visiting, visiting actress. Per- yes. Uh, when she came out and sang the first note of Mother Knows Best, my wife can attest to it. I sat up, bolt upright in my chair. I started grabbing her knee and said, Oh my gosh, this woman is amazing. This woman is amazing. Uh, she was absolutely yes. stunning. Yes. And it's always, I should say, always. I, the times I have seen it, it's always been the, a Broadway visiting artist as well. I've seen different ones and all fantastic. Mother Gothel is fantastic. If you get a you know, one of these Broadway visiting artists, you are getting a treat. Absolutely. It was her performance that made Tangled my favorite movie. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. All right. Your favorite 
adult bar space on board a Disney cruise ship. Again, on any crew, any of the ships. Uh, the Crown and Fin on the Wonder. Nice. It's got the Are- Mary Poppins umbrella stand in it. Oh, yeah. I love me some Mary Poppins. Oh, all right. Favorite onboard activity? Relaxing by the pool up on deck 10. Love it. Favorite rotational dining? It varies from the ship, but it would not be uh, like the the Triton's Royal table on the Wonder, uh, the Enchanted Garden, that restaurant, which is a nice, quiet experience, lets me have conversation with my family at the table. Love that experience. Nice. All right. Favorite port I'm going to set aside aside from Castaway Key? Pago Pago. Ah, there we go. All right. Aqua Dunk versus Aqua Duck. I'm not going to ask Mouse because I know you haven't been on the Wish yet. Uh, which is the one that drops you out at the bottom? I can't that's remember. The, that's the, the dunk. dunk on the Magic. Yeah. yeah. I'll go with the Dunk. Wow. Yes. Finally, You're I get a winner. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> the score is only 99 to 3, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I tend to win that question with the uh, Aqua Duck, but you know, it is what it is. Can I throw out a humble brag here, real quick? Absolutely. The day after, the morning after we had crossed the equator, the Aqua Duck opened. I was the first person down the slide in the south. Southern Hemisphere on a Disney ship. Woo. Oh, love it. Love it. Oh, actually, you were on the Twist and Spout, not the... The Twist and Spout. Okay, there we go. Yes, yes. Because the Aqua Duck is only on the Fantasy and the Dream. The Wonder is the only one that doesn't have uh, another another slide. All right. Um, what is your a favorite sweet item on board a Disney cruise? My wife. Oh, Oh, that's a great answer because I didn't even say food, did I? (laughs) All right. What's a favorite savory item on a Disney cruise? Oh, uh, late at night, some of the bars will put out the the, uh, jalapeno poppers and hot dogs and spicy foods like that. Oh, nice. All right. Late night snacks. Late night snacks. Love it. Okay. Really important question here, John. Which one is your favorite ship? I'm going to go with the Wonder. Yes, that is the right answer, John. Congratulations. It's the one we've been on the most. Uh, We love it. Um, It's a great ship. It's small. It's more intimate. It only has one drink station on deck nine. (laughs) (laughs) Complain. I wish it had the other one like the bigger ships have, but... I'm with you on that too. All right. Bucket list cruise. You have been on a whole bunch of bucket list cruises. I'm going to first put that out there. These two were bucket list cruises. I know you did one of them previously in the opposite direction, but yeah. What have you not done that if you could go, you know, any place in the world on a Disney cruise line, this is where you want to go. I'm going to hold out for the Disney adventure and do one of the Southeast Asia cruises. Ooh, I love that. Awesome. I haven't been there, so I want to go experience that culture, that whole uh, milieu. Let it just let it take me by surprise. See what we get when we get there. Well, if you make it, if you make it on the Disney adventure, we want to hear about it because I doubt that we will make it over there anytime soon. So, and that goes for anyone out there who decides to sail on the Disney adventure once she uh, once she embarks. So, yes. 
Well, thank you for playing, John, and for being a good sport. As I said, because you picked the Disney Wonder, you are an automatic winner, even though you picked the wrong water slide. Um, But you get special bonus points for saying your wife was the sweet thing on the Disney (laughs) ship. So I love it. it's, It's been a blast. Well, John, just thank you for coming on and sharing your fabulous experience with our audience. We uh, we really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Best of luck to you moving forward. Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL duo. Good night. 